everyone, and to those of you. I hope you're awake now. Yes. We'll get this fixed. We are uh, excited about our new soundboard, and uh, I'm sure all of you who have gotten a new phone know the frustrations of technology. Yes. Good morning and welcome. And to those of you worshiping online with us, welcome as well. I am Brett Stevens, and I am the discipleship pastor here at Gateway. Now, um, I have a confession to make. Uh, I have been uh, known to dabble in philosophy a little bit, and so today I'm going to ask you to engage with me in a philosophical question. Imagine, if you will, there is a church. We'll say the name of this church is the Angola Church of the Nazarene. And just for consideration's sake, we'll say that this church meets over near the library. <laughs> some, some of you get it. All right, good. <laughs> now, this church started, someone's going to have to help me with the year. I heard the 1930s, is that right? So we're imagining it's the 1930s. There's this church that meets over by the library. Now, over the next 90 years, this church will go through some changes. They'll get a new building, completely new. Not a brick of that old building got transferred. The enti entire building is new. Now, over that 90 years, they'll have used a lot of different equipment, chairs or pews, hymnals, all sorts of things. And after 90 years, all of it has been replaced. There is not a single thing that was used at that old church that is used at their new church. After 90 years, they'll have a new name. After 90 years, they'll have a new pastor. After 90 years, and now I have to make sure I'm saying this correctly, no one who was there at the very founding of that first church will still be worshiping there. Is that true? So I submit to you a question. Is it the same church? Is it the same church? Because no single part of it remains. Let's extend this question a little further. Imagine, if you will, a country. I will use a country that, uh, you know, I can, I can talk a little bit about. The country of Egypt. You can read in your Bible about a place called Egypt. A country that rose up around the Nile River that was defined by certain leaders, cultural practices, ideologies. But today, if you go and pull out a map or look at your globe, you can find Egypt on your map, a country surrounding the Nile River. But the leaders are completely different. In fact, the way that their country is led, completely different than it was in the time of the Bible. The people there are very different. They think differently, they act differently, they use a different language, they write differently, they believe different things, they worship differently. So I submit to you the question, is it right to call both of these countries Egypt? Because they're very different. And, I mean, even if we're being honest, you know, your, your translation of the Bible, right, you'll read in the Old Testament about Egypt, um, I'm just gonna, I hope this doesn't shock anyone too much, the Old Testament was actually written in Hebrew, and the name of the country 
was Mitzrayim. Today we put down Egypt because if I wrote, if you were reading in your Bible and you're like, they came from the land of Mitzrayim, that wouldn't mean anything to you. The word Egypt means something to you. But understand that we're talking essentially about two different countries. Let's extend the metaphor a little further. My body is made up of cells, tiny little microscopic portions of my body that, are, that function differently. So I've got blood cells and brain cells and bone cells. Now those cells die, and my body replaces them. I am 33, and I assure you that since the time that I was born, every single individual cell in my body has died and been replaced. That is, that they are all completely different than they were when I was born. In the 33 years of my life, I have come to believe and think and act and feel very differently about a variety of things. In fact, even in the last 10 years, there are many things that I believed 10 years ago, that I thought 10 years ago, that I felt 10 years ago, that I did 10 years ago, that I no longer do believe, think, or feel. Am I the same person? Now, we can approach this question from another way. Because all of this, this question is about identity. So let's ask a different question. Try to get at this in another way. Suppose someone comes to me and they say, hey, I've heard about this Tony Baker guy. Who is Tony Baker? Well, I could tell them, Tony Baker is a man. That's true. I could tell them, Tony Baker is a family guy. He's got a wife and three kids. That's true. I could tell them, Tony Baker has a business where he makes websites. That's true. I could tell them, Tony Baker is the pastor of Gateway Church. That's true. I could tell them, Tony Baker likes to play the guitar. That's true. Here's the question. How many of those things do I have to tell that person before they would say, okay, I know who Tony Baker is? How much information is sufficient for someone to say, I know who this person is? And now I'm going to have to ask your forgiveness because I'm going to do the most philosopher thing I could possibly do and tell you I'm not going to answer those questions. Those questions don't have answers. The first one that I posed to you about the, about the church, about the country, about the body, this question is older than Jesus. It really is, yeah. It's called the ship of Theseus. Greek philosophers proposed this question about a ship. They say, imagine a boat where you replace every board, you change the name, you replace the captain, you replace the crew, is it still the same ship? Same question. There's not an answer to it. There's not a single, like, this is the answer, we're done. We're done talking about it. Instead, my point is this. I, we have been, me and, me and Tony here, we've been preaching this sermon series. And the central question is this. Who is Jesus? It's a question of identity. And I want you to engage with this question of, what does it mean to know who is Jesus? Because we've been trying to answer it, but much like my second question, we've been telling you things about Jesus. And so now, as we come to the close of this series, the question stands, do you feel like you know the answer to who is Jesus? Because this 
series, in fact, this, the title of this, right, Exposed. The man of mystery is finally revealed. It's open for all to see. So I'm, in theory, going to tell you sufficiently, who is Jesus? But fortunately, I don't have to rely on myself. Instead, I will use the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's look at 2 Corinthians here. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. I'm going to stop there. This is a powerful statement about who Jesus is. You see, we've been reading in the book of Mark, and we've been reading in some in John, and Jesus has this curious tendency to kind of tell people to keep his identity a secret. He wants to hide. He wants to cover things up. And now Paul, who interestingly never saw Jesus alive, Paul says, let me tell you who Jesus is. We sing this, we tell, we tell this gospel about the glory of Christ, but who is he? The image of God. You look on Jesus, and what do you see? God. In John, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, no one has seen the Father, but if you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. No one's seen the Father face to face, but if you see the Son, you see the Father. If you don't see the Son, you don't see the Father. So let's take a walk through the history of the Old Testament to talk about this, because God appears to people. His glory appears to people. But what does it look like? Well, let's start back at the very beginning. Walk with me back to the very beginning. Genesis. Abraham is the founder or the, the progenitor of all of the Israelite people. Abraham had this encounter with God. And in this encounter, God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to make an agreement, you and me. So you have to take this bull and slaughter it and do this. And he gave him the, the instructions. And then it says, that Abraham fell into a deep sleep. And during his sleep, he had this vision of a cloud that passed between the parts of this animal that he'd slaughtered to seal the covenant. So his vision of God was a cloud. He didn't see it. He just saw this vague shape, this smoke and mist. Well, Moses encountered God because he saw a bush that was burning. And later, he led the Israelites on this long journey, and they came to Mount Sinai. And the presence of God descended on the mountain, and it was surrounded in smoke and thunder. So the Israelites saw God's glory, but they saw it as smoke and cloud and fire. The prophet Isaiah had a vision of God, and he said, I saw the Lord high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. In other words, God was so grand, so enormous, like, I mean, if we imagine this is the temple, that he's wearing this long robe, and just the tip of it fills this whole place. Not a very clear image of God. 
Even you go into the New Testament. In the book of Revelation, John sees a vision of the throne in heaven, and God is surrounded by a cloud. But the same John who sees the throne surrounded by a cloud sees Jesus. And how does he describe him? He says, like a son of man. In other words, he looks like us. He's a person. I can see him. I can see his face. I can see his hands. I know what he looks like. And here Paul says, if you see Jesus, you're seeing God. Who is Jesus? The image of God. Now, I posed this question before about how much information is sufficient. I don't know the answer to that question, but I'll tell you what Paul thinks. Paul thinks, if you know this, you know who Jesus is. He is the image of God. The image of God. And now, of course, we're left with this question. That's great. Cool. I know who Jesus is. So what? Why does that matter? Paul tells us. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So what? Let me tell you about an interesting word. Glory. We use this word. We talk about, uh, you know, people can receive glory for, for their things that they do. They can receive fame. But we tend to use it a lot in the church. Glory. Have you ever thought about what this word actually means? What is it referring to? Glory. The Hebrew word is kavod. That means nothing to you. Don't worry about it. You don't have to remember that. It's kavod. And this word is associated with weight, with heaviness. Have you ever wondered why it is that every time somebody has this dramatic encounter with Jesus, with an angel, with God, the first thing they do is fall on their face? I'm sure some of you have been to places like this. You've gone to see something and it's so grand, so beautiful that you just, you can feel, like it's, it's a feeling pushing down and you're like, wow. Glory. Weight. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Weight of Glory. Weight. The glory it's that presence that you can feel. And what, that's why people fall on their face. It's, it's this feeling of weight. When Isaiah, in chapter 6, has this vision, he says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. What's his response? If you don't know the story, I'm going to tell you. His response is to say, Woe is me! I'm doomed! I am a man of unclean lips. I am dirty, I'm sinful, I'm gross, I'm disgusting, and I have seen the king. 
He felt it. John sees a vision of the resurrected Jesus, and he falls on his face like he was asleep. And Jesus has to say, come on, John, get up. I've got something to tell you. Come on, John. Wait. It's heavy. The presence of God produces this response, this fear, this trembling, this awe, this wait. And Paul tells us that all of that, that grandeur, that glory, that power, that immensity is all contained in the face of Jesus, that you look on him and you know him. And therefore, he says, just as all of these people who came before us saw the glory and had to respond, so we too respond. Now, this was Paul's response. He says, therefore, we have to, we have no choice. We declare the Lord or Jesus as Lord. We're not preaching for our own benefit. We're not saying, wow, this is so great. You know, people shower us with gifts and this is wonderful. He says, no, this isn't for us. This is because he is Lord. Now, this is a word that has a different meaning to us today. We live in a country where we are free. We prize our rights. No one can tell us what to do. We're not used to having lords. In fact, uh, although there's, so there's sort of an innocent fascination with the nobility in Europe, the truth is nobody wants a king. The idea of a king sort of ruling over us and the, the iron hand of the monarch telling us what to do is offensive to our American sensibilities. But the word Lord could also mean master. It is a word of authority, the word of somebody who tells you what to do and you do it whether you like it or not. And Paul says, and we are servants. Servants. Those who obey. Those who do what they're told without questioning. Those without rights or privileges or authority. He is Lord and we are servants. This was Paul's response. He said, I can do nothing else in the light of who Christ is, in light of the fact that when I see him, I see the very face, the weight, the glory of God. What else can I do but serve? What else can I do but declare him as Lord? Today, you too have the same question before you. I'm telling you, this is who Jesus is. Another question is, how will you respond to it? How will you respond to the weight of his glory? Will you declare him as Lord and yourself as servant? Or will you refuse? Because this is the, sort of the, the pivotal question. There isn't really a, a place for a middle ground here to say, oh, well, Jesus is a cool guy and... You know, I, I can hang out with him. I could show up and, you know, be his friend once in a while. I'll do some of the things that he says. That isn't really something that he's interested in. That isn't the kind of people that he's looking for. And if that's your response, then I would wager 
that you haven't experienced the weight of his glory. The true question is this. There's, there's just these two choices. Is he Lord and you the servant? Or are you Lord of your own? And separate from him. Those are the options. You can say, he is Lord and I am his servant. And if you do, what will that look like? This requires sacrifice. This requires you to say, what he wants, not what I want. I will give of my time. I will give of my resources. I will experience discomfort. Understand, the early church, like Paul, said, here's what it means for me. I'll sell what I have, and I'll give it away. I'll travel not knowing where I'm going, telling everyone I meet about the name of Jesus Christ, the weight of glory, and he who is Lord, and I am servant for his sake. I will experience being beaten. I will experience being rejected, ostracized, hated, hunted. I will experience shipwrecks and snake bites. I will experience stoning, and if need be, even death. Because he is Lord, and I am servant. Now the good news is, here in the United States, uh, you're probably, probably no one's going to try and kill you for being a Christian. That, that's good news. But it can dampen the fact that if he is Lord, that there is sacrifice that must be made. I can't go into detail on all the different kinds. That would, that would just be belaboring the point. Because here is the reality. God speaks. He's alive and well. And if he is Lord and you are servant, he'll tell you what he needs you to do. If he is Lord and you are servant, you must listen. You must obey. You must do. You must go. So I'll end with this, the simple question. Who is Lord? Is it Jesus or is it you? Who is Lord? The worship team will come forward and sing us a closing song.